0: Thank you, Caroline and the group. And good morning, everyone. (laughs) It's It's just lovely to see you all. And thank you too, for those of you who are online, a welcome from me as well. Well, this morning, we are beginning a new series entitled, When the Strong Become Weak. Learning about the life of Samson, the very strong man, of the Old Testament, who in actual fact needed to put no effort whatsoever in going to the gym and building up his muscles and his strength, as you will discover in the following weeks. It has been said that the story of someone's life is like a window that you can see through and learn from. If you like, it's a window of opportunity for us to allow God to speak and impact into our own lives and our own journey and story. So throughout this series, I want to encourage you to ask God, what is it you want to teach into my life? What is it you want to speak into my life as we look through the window of Samson's life story? Well, we read about Samson's life in the book of Judges, And this book covers a period of about 200 years of Israel's history, following the entry of them settling into Canaan, the promised land, under the leadership of Joshua. Well, after Joshua, there was a leadership vacuum for the Israelites as a whole. And so God raised up these judges who were really leaders of groups of tribes and regions in the land, rather than uniting the nation as a whole. They were concerned with issues of justice amongst the people, basically trying to sort out their problems, but they were also caught up with external problems because they were surrounded by hostile and pagan nations who regarded the Israelites in the land of Canaan as a threat to them. It was a very, very turbulent time in the history of Israel. And the book of Judges has been called an account of the dark ages. And in Judges chapter 13 that we are looking at today, the very first verse reads, again, they, the Israelites, did evil in the eyes of God. Again and again are words repeated over and over again in the book of Judges. And it just captures and highlights a picture of a people who just continually broke their covenant relationship with God and who were on a downward spiral as far as life and living was concerned. And they experienced the consequences thereof. And in chapter 13, we find that God just gave them over to living under the domination of the Philistines, which lasted for 40 years. As a people, they had just come to the point of just being oblivious to what was happening to them spiritually, socially, and morally. They had chosen to conform and had adopted a lifestyle of idol worship. There was sexual immorality and depravity. It was a culture of anything goes. And they had become just like all the other nations around them. Israel's decline was the result of choosing to leave God behind, out of sight, out of mind, out of life, and the vacuum was filled with ungodly alternatives. And it led to real despair. And yet, and yet this is what is amazing about our God. He never let them out of his sight, nor out of his plans and his purposes. They were his loved, chosen people belonging to him. God never broke his part of the covenant relationship, never gave up on them, or nor on his plans to deliver and rescue and save his people in spite of how they treated him and how they messed up. Of course, a relationship with God is never dependent upon how God is treated, thankfully. It is always dependent upon who God is, his supremacy, his love, his justice, his abounding grace. You see, God has always promised to deliver, rescue and save right throughout biblical history to the supreme deliverer and rescuer, Jesus himself. And I think that today we can be so very grateful that what our God says, he will do. He keeps his word, he keeps his promises. As we read in Psalm 33, verse four, for the word of the Lord is right and true He is faithful in all that he does. And so it was into this dark situation that Israel was in, living under Philistine oppression, into what was a cycle and a culture of despair, God steps in. And he brings a message of hope and of life. God promises the gift of life and a life birthed with promise. And for one couple who belonged to the tribe of the Danites, this gift and this promise of life was just miraculous in more ways than one. And it was the best news ever. Do join with me as I read from Judges chapter 13, verses two to seven. A certain man of Zorah named Manoah, from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son, whose head is never to be touched by a razor, because the boy is to be a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Then the woman went to her husband and told him, a man of God came to me. He looked like an angel of God. Very awesome. I didn't ask him where he came from, and he didn't tell me his name. But he said to me, you will become pregnant and have a son. Now then drink no wine or other fermented drink and do not eat anything unclean because the boy will be a Nazarite of God from the womb until the day of his death. Well, we've just been introduced to Manoah and his wife, whose name we are not told. So we'll just have to call her Mrs. Manoah. She had no children and she as women did in those days probably experienced the stigma of that but life was about to change. Life does change when God becomes involved. It was just miraculous news because she did not expect to be able to conceive and give birth and miraculous to be personally told by the appearance in an encounter with an angel from God. Verse five, you will become pregnant and have a son. What a promise, the gift of life. And furthermore, God is involved with this promise and God is involved with this child's life. We often talk, don't we, about the miracle of life, the miracle that's formed in the womb. And none of us remember it, but it is a place where we are completely and utterly vulnerable and totally dependent And this child who would be called Samson was no exception to that. But God was involved with his life, personally watching over him while he was being formed in the womb. And isn't it significant that in God's word, he reminds us, you and me of that truth, that he is involved in our human life. Psalm 139 for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God involved from the very outset of our lives and beyond. And I think in a world where many people think and feel that their life just doesn't matter, when you hear phrases like, well, my life isn't worth anything, I'm just a number, I'm invisible the truth is your life matters to God and he was aware of you and the preciousness of your life right from the beginning of your life journey and story just as he was with Samson God is involved in human life and life changes when God becomes involved Well, I just love the way that Mrs. Manoa shared this brilliant news, this promise of a son with her husband. In verse 6, she says, A man of God came to me. Listen to that response. A man of God came to me. So does that tell us something of where she was at, perhaps spiritually, that she recognised this could be a man of God? And then it's as if she's processing her thinking as she shares looked like an angel. Very awesome. And then what about Manoah's reaction and response when she told him? He didn't say to her, what? A man of God? An angel? You're going to become pregnant? Are you for real? He never questioned or queried what she had to say. So does that tell us something about the kind of relationship they had? His respect for her? his trust in what she was saying. And in verse 8, we discover what Manoah's response was. It says, Then Manoah prayed to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I beg you to let the man of God you sent to us come again to teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born pardon your servant. Listen to the humility in his words. And then his request, I beg you. He really, really wants to hear and see and learn firsthand about how to bring up this promised child. Well, Manoah had his prayer answered because the following verses tell us that the angel of God did come back again, did appear to Mrs. Manoah again first, Well, after all, she was the one who would give birth, but she hurriedly went to get her husband. And the angel simply repeated exactly what he had said before. Confirmation, yes, but this time significant, because as a couple, they saw this angel of God for themselves. They heard the message from God together. And this is a couple, remember, who were living in a culture of idol worship where anything goes, but perhaps they were a couple who had not conformed to the culture of the day. They were certainly a couple who were open to hear and to respond to God's word to them, open to his involvement in their lives and in the life of their promised child. So there's a real sense of togetherness here between the relationship between Manoah, his wife, and with God. And I think that gives us an important insight into the window of Samson's background and to a very promising start for his life. And what about the message that they receive from God? It has some very specific instructions and information regarding their child. Firstly, instructions about Mrs. Manoa's diet during her pregnancy secondly about her son's upbringing and then thirdly a promise about this child's future that he would be the first who would take a lead in delivering the israelites from the hands of the philistines so what about this diet no wine no alcohol no food considered to be unclean was this just to ensure a healthy pregnancy or was there more to it and then don't take a razor and cut his hair Well, I think some lads might be really pleased about that. But it does seem very strange parental guidance. However, it was all linked to the importance of the life and the lifestyle of this child. And it was relevant from the very moment Samson began to be formed in the womb. Now we know that whatever a mum-to-be eats or drinks will affect and nourish the child in the womb. So for Samson, he would not receive any nourishment from alcohol or food considered to be unclean for the Israelites in those days, because his mom was instructed to abstain from such. Why? Well, in verse 5, we read, because the boy is to be a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb. So what did it mean to be a Nazarite? Well, I think this couple would have been familiar with their Jewish history because it went back to the time of Moses when God spoke to him. And we read about it in Numbers chapter 6. And I've only summarized some of that chapter. And it says this, The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, if a man or a woman wants to make a special vow, a vow of dedication to the Lord as a Nazarite, They must abstain from wine and other fermented drink. During the entire period of their Nazarite vow, no razor may be used on their head. They must be holy until the period of their dedication to the Lord is over. They must let their hair grow long. The symbol of their dedication to God is on their head. And throughout the period of their dedication, they are consecrated to the Lord. So Nazarites then were quite a unique group of people amongst the Israelites. They were set apart, dedicated to worship and to the service of God. And the long hair was an outward sign of the vow they had made and their dedication. It must have been a lifestyle that involved self-control and discipline, focused upon God. It was a lifestyle of pursuing holiness. And they would also be a reminder to the other Israelites that they were called to serve and to live a holy life before a holy God. You might have picked up that the vow taken was normally a voluntary one and only for a period of time. It was temporary, different for Samson, however. God was entrusting this couple with the parental responsibility of bringing him up in this godly distinctive way. And for this to be a permanent dedication of his life to God. I think it must have been quite a challenge to bring a child up in this way would have been going against the culture of the day that they were living in. But from what we gather, this couple were a good team and acted in obedience to God. Because when we get to verse 24 of this chapter, we read that Samson grew, he grew, and the Lord blessed him. And then Look what happens in verse 25. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir him. Well, something significant is now happening in Samson's life. We can assume that he is now a young man on the threshold of life and he experiences the spirit of God beginning to stir him. We are talking here about the powerful presence of the supernatural God moving in Samson's life, beginning to stir him, wakening him up, awakening him to incline his ears and his heart towards God. The spirit of God stirring him to move forward now in response to God's word for him and to God's plans for him. This is so significant now time for Samson. God who has been involved in his life before he was born, preparing, planning, promising, God watching and waiting. And now the time has come when the Spirit of God stirs in him. How will Samson respond? That is the big question. What will now unfold in Samson's life? the man birthed with promise, given the gift of life and a life of promise from God. Will Samson respond to God being involved in his ongoing life and journey? Watch this space. Come back next week and the following weeks, and you will find out what happens in his story. But as we have been just, just begun to look through the window of his life, What about your life, my life? Is God involved in your life and in your journey? You see, like Samson, your life and your life's journey matter to God. Our lives are precious to him. We have been given the promise of life and a life of promise in Jesus. And the spirit of God Stirring in you is what causes you to make that response to Him. Behold, He says, I stand at the door and knock. And that's when life changes when you open the doorway of your life and Jesus enters in and makes Himself resident by His Holy Spirit and He personally becomes involved in your life and in your life's journey. D.L. Moody, who was a well-known American evangelist, once said this, give your life to Jesus. He can do more with it than you can. I think that's great. He can do more with it than you can. And it's so true. I cannot imagine my life without Jesus. And many of us can look back to our life story and journey and remember when the Spirit of God stirred in us and moved us to respond to acknowledge our need of Jesus as our Saviour and our Lord. And our life story and journey, it changed because of Jesus. That was then. But what about life now? Are we continuing to be open and responsive to the Spirit of God stirring in us. Do you know the very first occasion that the Spirit of God moved is in Genesis 1, verse 2, when the Spirit of God hovered and moved over the waters at creation. God at work creating, forming, and producing life. And if you just think about the occasions when you've either stood or sat by the sea and watched the waters... The motion of the water never stops, it's constant. It can flow calmly and gently and lap onto the shore. It can also gather momentum and produce strong, powerful waves. So it is with the Spirit of God. There's no telling how he chooses to move and work in us. But when he stirs, he is at work to create, to form, to birth his life and more of his life in us and through us, in a way that will glorify him and his purposes. Let me just share one example of that, of how God can work. Two weeks ago in the service here, at the very end of the service, a person came forward and shared a picture and a word with Chris. And the picture was of Jesus painting someone's portrait. And the word was, I haven't finished with you yet. And the scripture was Ephesians 2 verse 10. We are God's handiwork. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Now, I personally have been familiar with that verse of scripture for quite a long time, at least in my head. But that morning, just the Spirit of God stirred in me and touched my heart with it. I haven't finished with you yet. We are God's handiwork. That applies to all of us. You see, one person was stirred by the Spirit of God to share that picture and that word. And as a result, God then uses it to stir someone else. That's how God can work. Keep stirring the ripple effect awakening our ears and our hearts to respond to God's involvement and ongoing involvement in our lives. The Spirit of God is often described as living water. I wonder, Mm -hmm. this morning, do you need the life of God to stir in you, perhaps for the very first time? And Jesus is standing, knocking, and waiting for you to open the doorway of your life to let him into your life and your life's journey? Or perhaps you just need the Spirit of God to stir in you in a fresh way. What is God wanting to create, to form, to birth anew in your life for him? Do you know that place of surrender that we talked about a few weeks ago, sitting at the feet of Jesus, willingly listening, is such a good place to ask Lord, let your Spirit stir and keep stirring your life in me and through me so that you can use me, Lord, for your plans and your purposes. I wonder, will you make that your response today, tomorrow, and in the days ahead? And maybe we'll hear more testimonies of how the Spirit of God is stirring in your life. Shall we pray? In the stillness, Father, we just want to bow and surrender before you. We want to say thank you for the life that you've given us, the promise of life in Jesus, and that it's a life filled with your promises. I just pray that as we open our lives to you, you Holy Spirit, come and stir your life within us. And if there's someone here and you've not opened that doorway for the very first time, take the opportunity to just ask Jesus to come into your life. Ask for his forgiveness for the things of the past, ask for his cleansing, and ask him to come as your Savior and your Lord. Come, Lord. And if this morning you just sense that God wants to stir something fresh in you, whatever that may be, that he wants to produce something new in you and through you, ask him to do that. Tell him you are willing. Come, Holy Spirit.